Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pub Trivia Experience. My name is Chris, and tonight, tonight, what a hell of a show we have for you tonight, is I am joined by some really amazing people. We're going to start just across the street. You know her, you love her. She is our resident Harry Potter expert. Marissa, how you doing? I'm doing well, Chris. How are you? Hey, I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm going back to work on Monday, and I'm a little scared, but hey, it's it's all good. Marissa, it, it, I'm, I'm a little worried about what you're going to say, but what's in your glass? <laughs> well, it, currently, I am drinking uh, Sour Me American by Duclaw Brewing out of Baltimore, Ooh. Maryland. Um, it is a, a bomb pop sour. I could swear I just dropped some Declaw off at your house. I think some Sweet Baby Java and some a couple of Dirty Little Freaks, right? You you did for Jeff, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Big fans of Declaw Brewing here. They're a huge brewery, though. They don't need our money. They don't, but <laughs> it's just the one I grabbed. I could have grabbed the the brew bus that I have out there. I might do that later. So. And Marissa, what were you taking a shot of earlier? Because I I have never heard of this before. <laughs> oh, I was doing pickleback earlier. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Oh, it's a perfectly oh, normal on. response. Nobody likes pickles. No, I mean, oh, I don't like pickles, so... but not the not juice. Oh. I used to play when I played competitive softball. We had a guy on our tournament team that was really in shape, really in shape guy. If you can see by me, I'm not. Uh, this guy was like insanely in shape. But Mike, you remember Ben? Um and he would go out between games out to his truck and dr- and just chug pickle juice because it helped yeah, cure de- of, dehydration. Yeah, I got a lot of electrolytes in it. We used to do it in, in marching band, show how nerdy I am. <laughs> There's a thespian here, too, so just calm down. <laughs> Pretty sure Mike was on the chess club. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we're just outing everybody I was in here. I club we? in seventh grade, and I was a theater major in college. So. There you go. Nice. I knew I liked so him. I, I feel like I'm the nerd, though. I was the, I was the athlete, uh, varsity swimmer. I'm the outcast. I've never been that before uh, when it came to these sorts of things. Well, as a theater oh, no, kid, I, I can tell you it's about damn time. I mean, I played softball, basketball, and swam. So yeah, I, I played hockey and baseball up until ninth, tenth grade. So, Mike, my friend, how are you tonight? Greetings from Huntsville, Alabama. I am doing great. And I know that you're already a dr- you're already drinking. So what do you have? I am. Uh, I am drinking possibly the best thing to come out of Connecticut since Christopher Liguori himself. Uh, this is the even more Jesus Imperial Stout from Evil Twin Brewing. Uh, it is twelve percent alcohol by volume. So uh, if I pass out before the game is over, that's why. Uh, it is absolutely. Deep and rich and just delicious. That is a large glass, my friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds really good. It's also a pint. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really good. So I'm on a beer cleanse, as some of you might know. Um, yeah, sorry. It's fine. It's fine. Um, I, I'm compensating tonight. I have cracked open one of my last two bottles of Eagle Rare Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey from possibly the best distillery in Kentucky, Buffalo Trace, um, one of their midline bourbons. It's impossible to find. Their stuff is getting harder and harder to find every day. And Eagle Rare, when you have a chance to buy it, you buy up as many of them as you can, and I'm down to two. So if anyone has a lead on more Eagle Rare around here, 
please let me know. Let's head on out to, I think, our first listener we've ever had on the show. And we are going to try, try, try to keep the musical references to a minimum. (laughs) Jeremy, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. How are you? Man, I am good. I am good. So uh, I have got to, I've got to ask you how did you how did you hear about the pub trivia experience and what got you listening? God knows it wasn't me. It was a uh, Jonathan Oaks. Uh, I'm I listen to Trivial Warfare a lot, uh, and he posted in, in the Facebook group and uh, listened to his episode, and that was amazing. I'm sure you remember that. Oh yeah. Um, and so yeah, I've listened to a few episodes too. I'm a, a big fan and a big proponent of Trivial Warfare. I've been on there twice now, I think. Yeah. Um, I love what he does. He's really professional and really has it together, and the Facebook group is amazing. It is. It is. We've got some notes to take, but we're, trying not to, we're not going to steal anything from Trivial Warfare because they are like top-notch people. We've had at this point uh, both Jonathan and Chris on our show, and we'll be getting working on getting Ben and Carmela as well, because that'd be awesome. But Jeremy, we are happy to have you. What are you drinking? Uh, tonight, I brought with me a beer from the Quaffon Brewing Company, which Quaffon, Q-U-A-F-F, in Brown County, Indiana. Okay. Uh, and this is uh, its variation of their Busted Knuckle Porter. Uh, this is the peanut butter Busted Knuckle. Oh, my God, that sounds awesome. one of my favorite beers. It's it sounds kind of weird. I mean, you don't think of peanut butter and beer, but um, the peanut butter in it is really subtle, and it just kind of takes and ed- takes the edge off of some of the harsher notes that you get in a porter, uh, and it makes it taste a little sweeter. So I'll see see if your audio can pick this up. I don't know. Oh, we got I don't that. Know. Did you get that? We got that. Peanut yeah. butter and beer sounds a lot like a combination similar to pickle juice and anything else. <laughs> Oh, peanut, peanut butter and beer is a popular uh, flavor combination around here. Uh, I, I I I do like my peanut butter beers. I'm not gonna lie. Same. Uh, so so does my husband. Uh, I knew we all got along for a reason. It was weird the first time I heard of it. I did not do a good job pouring the. Yeah, it just it just works. I, I am a big fan. We've got a few breweries in the area that have them. I think uh, Seventh Sun had one at one point not too long ago. Uh, Crooked Thumbs experimented with it before. Um, not the name drop breweries. I think 81 Bay had one as well. Well, Jeremy, I am looking forward to having you on the show today. Let's head on over down near Cody and Maggie in Tequesta, Florida. Bill, how you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Glad to be on. Hey, we're happy to have you. So uh, we've uh, been going back and forth on Instagram for a little bit now. Tell our listeners about you and about your podcast. Yeah, um, I host a trivia podcast as well called Trivia with Friends. Uh, where invite my friends on, really see how stupid they are compared to other friends and each other, and um, get the opportunity to be on the other side of the mic and no pressure when you have the answers right in front of you. So it's a it's it's a different experience being on this side of it, and hopefully I can uh, you know do some justice here. I'm a I'm a big fan of hosting because you get to sound really freaking smart. And you pull out you pull out the facts and the you know the stories and you sound like you you didn't do four hours of research leading into it. Yeah, it feels good. It does. And then you get on this side of the microphone. And it's like uh, I I know words. I think I actually said that in our last recording, Mike. In the, ep- <laughs> in the episode coming out this Sunday, we had a conversation about was it etymology and entomology, and I think the phrase "I know words" came out of my mouth. So, oh lord. 
Well, before we jump into the game, we are joined by one of my favorite people. Nikki, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Hey, doing well. You drinking tonight or you just hanging out with your husband? I'm just hanging out for a minute. I wanted to see what was, was going on. Our usual uh, usual Friday night at this point. <laughs> yep. But with all that being said, I am going to pass it over to Mr. Mike Mott. He is your quiz master tonight, and he's going to tell us what we're in for. Mike, take it away. Yeah, so as as Bill said, I've been looking forward to this because uh, there's a lot less pressure when you're on uh, this side of the questions. So, um, you know, I don't I don't tend to write as many questions. I love to place, but I li- I've been dabbling a little more. So I got it. Hopefully, it'll be a fun game for y'all. Uh, this basically, um, to the extent that we have kind of a quote unquote usual format, this kind of falls into it uh, here at the Pub Trivia Experience. We're going to have a pregame. Uh, then we're going to have four rounds of four questions each. Uh, each round is going to have a category for the entire round. Um, and everybody's going to answer all the questions. So when you know it, lock in and uh, let the other team talk it out. Uh, in the middle of those two rounds, we'll have a halftime question. And then uh, we will have a wager round as much as I <laughs> as much as I kind of hate wager rounds. I feel like they, they are necessary and uh, they do add some uh, intrigue to the end of the game. So we'll... We'll see how that goes. Um, if nobody has any questions, I think we're ready to uh, jump right into it. Let's do it. All righty. Let's go. Here's your pregame question. Here on the Pub Trivia Experience, we've done a lot of movie review pregames focused on Rotten Tomatoes scores. But what about music reviews? <laughs> I was waiting for the Chris cringe. All right. Called it, Chris. Oh, <laughs> son of a bitch. Rolling, Sto- Rolling Stone has been reviewing music albums for over 50 years, and by their own admission, they haven't always gotten it right. For each of these classic albums, I want you to tell me whether it appeared on Rolling Stone's list of the albums that they got wrong. In other words, whether they gave it a positive or a negative review that they later wished they could retract. Uh, does that make sense? So hold on. So... This could be like, name an album, uh, Backstreet Boys Millennium. And they could say, oh, no, it's one of the best albums of the year. And now in hindsight, we all know the album's terrible, and they wish they could take it back. So we're not, we're not guessing if they you. said originally it was good or bad. We're guessing if they regret their decision when they first made it. No, this is, so I might have phrased that a little, a little poorly. These are, these are albums they initially gave a negative review to. And oh, later, okay. re, later recanted it and said it was a positive review. Or so basically, you're telling me, did they say it was positive? All of these albums are now positively regarded. Uh, there's definitely no Backstreet Boys. Uh, it's just whether or not the album was or- originally regarded as positive or negative by Rolling Stone. Oh, okay, that makes a lot more sense. All right. So, sorry, I pro I bad phrasing on my part. Uh, all right. Uh, who who wants to start? We should have picked that out before. Who, someone pick even. Some someone pick odds. Um, well, they can't see you, so you can hold up numbers, and we'll let uh, we'll let Bill call evens or odds. All righty. Go ahead. Let's go odds. And odds it was. All right. Odds it is. So does that mean you want? Uh, so I was holding up an odd number of fingers, but does that mean you want the odd questions? Yes. Okay. okay. So we get the evens; they get the odds. All right. Also, Sounds good. Uh, no one asked me, but I'm drinking. Uh, oh my unholy. god! Oh shoot, Christopher! <laughs> I am a bad. I figured I was going to. No, thank, thank you for absolutely. 
I'm so sorry, Bill. It's okay. I, I feel welcomed. Damn. There's a one star <laughs> review. You're the worst. Uh, I've got I've got an okay. The Rolling Stone will recant it later. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Go ahead, Bill. Tell us what you got. I got an unholy from Coppertail Brewing over in Tampa. It's uh, an American Tripel Ale, nine point two percent, and it is as smooth as any beer I've ever had. Oh, oh yeah. That's a really good beer. I used to track that down at the Trop. Yeah, there's only one spot there that serves it. Exactly. Is it little? Is it second floor little craft brewery over next to Outback Steakhouse? Right. That's the one. Yep. yep. And and while we're on the subject, I'm gonna go ahead and crack my second one. Oh, it's one of those nights. Go ahead. It's one of those nights. <laughs> and this one, I have got the Brew Bus Tangerine Splash. It's a Belgian style wheat beer. Mm. Okay, so. Uh, Bill and Marissa are taking the odds. Jeremy and I will take the evens. Mike, take it away. All right. So your first question, which is the odd-numbered question, number one, uh, the album is Black Sabbath's self-titled debut. Well, I feel like I should start by saying I don't listen to much music whatsoever. So I was I was hoping there wouldn't be any music questions, and let alone a whole category of them. So... These are only worth two points apiece, so you guys are, that's okay. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I did leave that out. These are worth two points apiece. I'm also not great at uh, music, as Mike knows. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've, and just just to be clear, you want us to talk this part out, right? Well, not us. Yeah. We're, we're going second, right? No, you're going first. Odds. This is yours. Oh, I thought we were going odds. Oh, yeah, it is odds. Duh. <laughs> I'm sorry. One is an odd number. <laughs> Black Sabbath. Chris Chris um, knows Chris knows words, but Marissa doesn't know numbers. Oh, that's obvious. Yes. If you if you go back and listen to some of our podcasts, yes, that's accurate. I know nothing about Black Sabbath. Yeah, um, I feel like that's a band though that they that they would write off early on. Yeah, uh, I agree with that one. And then think, uh, wait, we made a huge mistake. This one's actually like brilliant. Yeah. So let's go with it. They originally thought was negative. Maybe is that what you want, Mike? I think, I think that's, what that's yeah. That, uh, that's did the, they yes, recant that's, it, right? They they go back on it. I would say they did. Yeah, ba- basically, just whether the ne- whether the initial review was positive or negative. Okay, I All would right. say. What do you, you think? It was negative. I would agree with. That I think. If you did. I think negative. Yeah. Okay. All right, and that is correct. Uh, they originally gave it a negative review. Their uh, Reviewer Lester Bangs, who was played by Philip Seymour Hoffman in the movie Almost Famous, said it was just like cream, but worse. Wow. All right. Wow. Chris, <laughs> uh, your question, Chris and Jeremy, is the Marvin Gaye album, What's Going On? Okay. Hmm. I know the song. I know that song. I know a couple of his songs. My gut feeling is that Marvin Gaye... And maybe it's just time that's done this, but he's a really well-respected musician. So I kind of feel like they probably would have liked it at first. That's what I'm feeling anyway, but uh, that's not my era of music at all. I was feeling the exact same thing. I know he had some some stuff with his father or his brother. At his, I, think it, I think it was his dad. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think I, I'm going to I'm going to agree. I think it was well-received. 
Okay, you are correct. They originally gave it four stars, and uh, later in their top 500 albums of all time, ranked it number six. Ooh. Uh, Marissa and Bill, your album is Michael Jackson's Thriller. I feel like that that wasn't as... I mean, that was a little bit into his career. I feel like they've got yeah. to... I feel like that's got to be a positive rating. Yeah, I feel like right off the bat, this one's got to be positive. Just the way it's... Yeah. It's been so well regarded out over the years, and I, yeah, I'll go. I'll go positive. All right, you are correct. It was positive. It was another four star review. Uh, I don't know where it popped up in the five hundred all time list, but it was definitely way high up there. Yeah. Chris and Jeremy, your album is Jimi Hendrix. Are you experienced? I was don't... that his debut? That's what I'm wondering. I'm thinking if it's his debut album, I'm thinking maybe it would have been reviewed negatively. It was before he really. Hit like rock star status. Yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like he was not well received at the beginning of his career. I'm go- I'm good with that. Yeah, we'll go we'll go originally negative. And that is correct. They described it as inartistically violent. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I read that. And I was like, oh my gosh, wow, they really didn't like it. All right. Uh, Marissa and Bill, your album is Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction. So I have no idea. Um, All I can think of is two things with Guns N' Roses is my wife thinking Paradise City was really, uh, the the wording of it was Prairie Dog City. (laughs) (laughs) And she would sing it, I mean, wholeheartedly sing it, Take Me Down, to the prairie dog city and in her mind if the grass was green the girls were pretty she's thinking like a, a field out in the midwest and just, just so that comes to mind and then oh, every time so every time we'd work out in the, in the weight room uh they only had one cd and it was guns and roses and so i i feel like i don't know i i, I can't think of anything else other than the smell of a high school locker or high school weight room when I hear that song or hear that, hear that album. Um, but I don't, I have no idea. What do you think, Marissa? Uh, I have no idea. I want to say maybe it was positive right off the bat, but I'm, I don't know. Was that their know. first album? You're asking the wrong person. Yeah. Well, Okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Mike. As he cringes over here. <laughs> no, I'm the one who. Feel, I'm I'm the one who's sorry. I know. I know Marissa doesn't like music, so or music questions. So uh, let's go. Let's go. Let's go positive. That was your first okay. gut reaction. We'll go positive. All right, and you are correct. It got a five star review. I I realized halfway through. Uh, you guys talking over that question. I don't know if we ever officially told our listeners what the teams were. <laughs> they figured it out by now. They figured it out by now, but yeah, I just wanted just wanted to make sure we have uh, we have Chris and Jeremy taking on Marissa and Bill. Uh, Chris and Jeremy, uh, this is your album. Uh, I know Chris made a, said something about musical references. I clearly did not plan this ahead of time. Your album is Pearl Jam's Ten. Ooh. Is that the album with Jeremy? It is. Yes. <laughs> I have a hard time going against a Chicago Cubs fan on this one. So I, like, I'm my head goes to positive because it's Eddie Vedder. Yeah, I'm 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 thinking positive 
too. I know they were they were really big in the grunge scene. Grunge was it was really. Like, I don't know when really... Ten was released, but I feel like that's kind of a landmark album for them. I'm good to go positive. I, you're gonna. I, I'm not gonna be swayed. I, I couldn't be swayed either way. So whatever you want to do, I'm good with. My gut is positive, but I'm, I'm like you. I don't really have anything to back that up. So let's do it. We'll go positive. And you are correct. Uh, it was positive. It got a four star review. Uh, I'd actually have to look this up, but I think Pearl Jam 10 and uh, Nirvana actually came out around the same time. Oh, wow. So it would have okay. been, mm. been too early for there to have been the grunge pushback, but I'd have to look that up to be sure. Uh, and speaking of which, uh, Marissa and Bill, your album is Nirvana's Nevermind. This is another gut feeling that just wants, I want to go positive, but. Ooh, I was, I was thinking the opposite. Yeah, no, I, and then I, I, th- I think second guessed it. I'm like, no, cause that was again, the, on the grunge scene, not really into it. Maybe it became positive later. Yeah. That, I, I thought negative early on because it didn't, I mean, Nirvana in general didn't sound like anything else at the time. Yeah. And it sounds like he's got marbles in his mouth anytime he sings anyway. <laughs> hey, now. He's Hat not tip wrong. to the Weird Al reference. Uh, yeah, let's go. Let's go with your gut. Let's trust your gut this time. All right. We'll say negative. And that is correct again. Uh, Nirvana, never mind, was originally given a negative review. Chris and Jeremy, your album is ACDC's High Voltage. I don't know anything about when that album hit in That's, their career. Oh, I think it's towards the beginning of their career. I just don't imagine, I don't envision ACDC ever being that highly regarded. Um, I I agree. I, I'm, I'm good with going negative. Okay, we're going to be like presidential candidates, and we're going to go negative on this one, Mike. <laughs> So I may, I, I actually make you guys, you are correct. And I mainly wanted to include this one because I loved the, re, I loved what the review said. The review said the genre of hard rock has unquestionably hit its all time low. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But as they said in the uh, first track on that album, it's a long way to the top. If you want to rock and roll. Oh, there we go. All right, Marissa and Bill, your album is Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. I mean, I, f- I feel like that's got to be a positive. Yeah, because that, that one was pretty well in, right? Yeah. We t- we've taken a shot in the dark on all of these, so <laughs> let's, not, let's not stop Good here. Point. <laughs> uh, well, remind me never to duel with y'all in the dark because you are correct. It was positive. Uh, I have done the Weirds of the Oz thing, by the way, uh, sober for some reason, uh, and it was actually really cool. So not on acid, you mean? Recommended, yeah. right? Exactly. I'm a little upset, Mike. <laughs> you and I went to see Roger Waters in concert, and I didn't get the Dark Side of the Moon question, but I'm not going to take that personally because it was an odds or evens category, and I lost. So that's right. <laughs> well, uh, Chris, hopefully uh, this will redeem it. Your uh, final final question, your final album for you guys is. Metallica's Master of Puppets. So, Jeremy, that's like right in our like age range. Um, I feel like we should know this relatively quickly. I didn't get into Metallica much. I'm not huge on them. But I also kind of feel... Master of Puppets, I kind of think that was one of the early albums, too. 
Right. Yeah, I mean it's it's all it's preload. So I, I'm in my head like Kill 'Em All, Master of Puppets. I think there's three albums before Load and Reload came out. And Justice for All, I think, was one of and them. And Justice for All's in there. This is the earliest stuff. I I would imagine it was positive. See, my gut says negative, but okay. at the same time, they had a huge reputation back then. Yeah. So that had to come from somewhere. Your gut hasn't been wrong yet, so I'm good to ride it. Let's go negative. Okay. Perfect game on the line, Mike. What do you say? You, you just jinxed it. I know. I'm okay with it. And the perfect game is going away. Yes. Son of a bitch. Uh, oh. I, no, I, I actually included this one because I was genuinely surprised. I didn't think Metallica would have had this much uh, heft with the critics this early on in their career, but the Rolling Stone review was uh, very positive. It actually said this album shouldn't go platinum. There should be such thing as titanium. It's that good. Wow. Wow. But uh, but honestly, I would have guessed the same thing if I had not known that. I would have thought it was a negative review. So after our pregame, uh, our scores are Chris and Jeremy have eight and Marissa and Bill have ten. So uh, your round one, your primary category is computer science or nerds. <laughs> Can I sub my husband in for this one? <laughs> no. Your first question, uh, the category for this question is any key. Where's the any key? What now famous keystroke combo was originally invented by IBM programmer David Bradley as a way to speed up rebooting the system and was not originally meant for public use? Yeah, we'll go ahead and lock in. All right, Chris and Jeremy are locked in. Marissa and Bill, talk it out. Yeah, we're good. I don't. I don't know if the order matters, but I think it does. Keys. Which one do you does think it? it is? Do you think it's yours, well, or do you then, think it's mine? No, you're. Then you're probably right. Talk it out. I, I went alphabetical. I went Alt Control Delete, but you're saying Control Alt Delete. Yeah, I don't I'm think pretty the sure this order is mattered, did it, though. Did it? I'm sorry. I said I don't know if the order mattered. Did it? Uh, I believe it. I'm not entirely sure, but I've. I mean, I know you had to like press it at the same time, but I always thought it was Control Alt Delete. Oh no, you but... you can do a separate. I, I Control Alt Delete would be in the in left to right on your keyboard, so we can go with that. Control Alt Delete locked in. All right, Marissa and Bill are locked in with Control Alt Delete. Chris and Jeremy, what do you guys have? We did the same thing. Control Alt Delete. I'm pretty sure that I've heard the story about this, but yeah, not something that was supposed to be used. Uh, and so you guys are both correct. Uh, Jeremy, you probably read the same article that I did that inspired this question. Um, we would have uh, accepted any possible. order for the record, but uh, th it was a uh, key. It was a key combination that was chosen because uh, the way that the keys were placed on the keyboard, there wasn't a high likelihood that they would accidentally ever all be pressed at the same time. Oh, well, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, that sounds familiar. But again, he just put it in the code not for public use, just for his own, uh, to help himself. <laughs> Question number two. Your subcategory is elections. In 1952, based on early returns, a UNIVAC computer at CBS Studios accurately predicted the results of the presidential election hours before the network aired an official prediction. By the next election, all three major networks were using computer analysis. 
who did UNIVAC say was going to win a landslide victory? Yeah, I think we can lock in. All righty, Chris and Jeremy are locked in. Riss and Bill, talk it out. JFK oh, yeah. was in the 60s, so 1952. So it's you're in between FDR and you're in between JFK. Mm-hmm. Who is that? <laughs> so I applied to be on Jeopardy like three times, and presidents always comes up 100% of the time, and the order of them is always the bane of my existence. Uh yeah, so F- after what who okay, so who took over for FDR? Truman, correct? I think so. I I mean, I we could be wrong, but there wasn't much of a gap between FDR and JFK. Cuz JFK was JFK was assassinated in 63. Two. Yeah, 60 so he was 60 then. I mean, I, we don't have I don't I don't have anything better. I'll I'll go Truman if you like that. All right, Marissa and Bill are locked in with Harry Truman. Chris and Jeremy, what do you guys have? So uh, Truman took over for FDR in 1945 when FDR died. Uh, he was reelected in 48, um, but the 52 was Eisenhower. That is correct. In 1952, Eisenhower defeated Adlai Stevenson. That's who it was. I couldn't think of that person. The computer, the computer predicted uh, Eisenhower defeat really early on in the night, and most of the early uh, pre-election polls had been primarily pick- predicting a uh, Stevenson victory, and some had even predicted a landslide, which is part of the reason the networks didn't trust the computer uh, prediction. But the fact that it got it right so early is part of what led it led all the networks to adopt it uh, going forward. I just thought that was a cool story. Very interesting. Oh, I heard another beer pop. We're going to need to know a little bit about that beer. Um, I I should have bought a variety pack. I went with <laughs> uh, just the unholy. It's a good beer, man. It really it is. is. And and Nothing I started wrong with, with that. it. It was on sale at Publix, which is like priority number one usually. If it's if it's Bogo, you got to buy it. Oh yeah. Uh, was that Bogo? But they had. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. No, those, those, sorry, these weren't, these weren't, okay, I, they I, were, they were a couple, I mean, probably about two months ago, but I haven't seen them, they haven't been in stock since, and so I stopped today and, and saw them, so I said, I'm, I'm going to go there and pick them up, but I'll tell you this, I'm drinking it out of a, uh, a glass from the Blue Mountain Brewery, we lived up in Charlottesville, Virginia for about four years, and over in Afton, which is just next, like next to Charlottesville, uh, one of the best breweries I've ever been to. Food and beer is top notch. So if you're ever in Central Virginia, Blue Mountain Brewery is where you need to be. Order a pizza from there. Order their nachos. Order any of their food. It's all good, uh, and the beer as well. Nice. Yeah, Charlotte. Charlottesville is a lovely area. We got to uh, spend a little time there when Nick, Nikki's cousin lives up there, and when she got married, we got to hang out a little bit up there. It's a very cool area. All right, question number three. Your category is, it's the millennium. Motives are incidental. <laughs> Random scream reference, sorry. You're good, I got you. I'm picking up what you're throwing down. <laughs> what common business-oriented programming language was considered the primary source of the Y2K bug? Don't worry, according to Reuters, it was only still used in 43% of banking systems as of 2017. We're locked in. 
Well, shit. <laughs> All right, Chris and Jeremy, talk it out. All right, let's see, Jeremy. Um... <laughs> <laughs> um, so I work at a credit union. I don't know if that's going to be a whole lot of help. I work at I work at a bank, and it's no help whatsoever. So, <laughs> well, I I know our core system is based on the SQL language. Okay, but I feel like that's not the right answer. No, I, I don't know if it's a programming language or not, but I just remember when I hear Y two T one Y two T when I hear Y two K and <laughs> programming C plus plus comes to mind. I don't know if that's a language or not. I have no idea. I'm fairly certain that it is a language. All right, yeah, we'll go with uh, we'll go with C plus plus. All righty, Chris and Jeremy locked in with C plus plus. Marissa and Bill, what do you guys have? Uh, we went with MS DOS. All right, Marissa and Bill went with MS DOS. Sorry, no points are going to be awarded here. Uh, the 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 clue in the in the question was the usage of common business oriented. Which is what COBOL stands for. Oh, oh COBOL, that's the one. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that that was that was a tough question. Now they're paying a lot of people, and so I got this wrong. I got it flipped. So they're paying a lot people a lot of money if they know COBOL because everyone that knows it is either retired or retiring. Yeah. <laughs> that is correct, yes. And that yeah. was true twenty years ago when they were trying to solve the Y two K bug. Yeah. So it's even yeah. more true now. Yeah. All righty. Uh your final question of round one. Your category is the opposite of progress is Congress. Who introduced the High Performance and Computing Act of 1991 in the U.S. Senate, which, among other things, ultimately led to the development of the Mosaic web browser credited for popularizing the World Wide Web? We can lock. All righty. Marissa and Bill are locked in. Chris and Jeremy, talk it out. Yeah, Mike, can you confirm the year on that one more time for you said 91? 1991, yes, sir. Jeremy, we're, we're both kind of in the same place. Um, was Al Gore a senator or was he in the House? I don't remember. I don't remember for sure, but I feel like it's not super common for people to go from House to House vice presidency, yeah. To vice president. A lot more common to go from the Senate to the House is not nearly as prestigious. I remember that commercial with a. a a screaming donkey saying, I invented the internet from the, the 2000 election, so I think Al Gore might be our best bet. Yeah, that's where, I, that's where I'm going immediately, and I can't think of anybody that makes more sense than that. We'll go Al Gore. All right, Chris and Jeremy are locked in with Al Gore. Marissa and Bill, what do you guys have? Yeah, we went with the same answer, Al Gore. Uh, and so uh, your correct answer is, in fact, Albert Gore Jr., uh, that is essentially what he was referring to when he said that he took the steps in, while he was in the Senate to uh, that led to the creation of the Internet, which was later shortened to Al Gore created the Internet. So very good, guys. You guys did great on my uh, computer science category. I was a <laughs> I was a little worried because I was just like, oh, gosh, this is real nerd territory here. Uh, but I, you guys did awesome after. Round one, we have Chris and Jeremy with a score of 38 and Marissa and Bill with a score of 40. So it was a very close game going into the next round. Round two, your primary category might might sit a little easier with you guys. Your primary category is television and movies. Feeling better, feeling better, break my heart. 
Oh, that's 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 about to happen. Shit. Uh, question number one. Your category is people who actually directed Psycho. Marissa, I told you. I fucking told you this shit was coming. <laughs> and that's my What's one What's next, for San Fernando? <laughs> no, it's the amount of letters in the alphabet. We all know that. <laughs> or bleach. Damn. All right, let's 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 keep it together here, people. Let's keep it together. <laughs> so, Stanley Kubrick famously did not direct the 1960 film Psycho. But who did direct the poorly received shot-for-shot 1998 remake? Yeah, we're going to go ahead and lock in. All right, Chris and Jeremy are locked in. Marissa and Bill? Oof. (laughs) Uh, Spiro Agnew. Let's lock that answer in. (laughs) No. Uh... (laughs) And there's Uh, the title of our episode. Wasn't this the... I, I only remember... The the original, but wasn't wasn't Vince Vaughn in the the remake? Oh, that was awful. I have no idea. I didn't even know there was a remake. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was Vince. I remember. I don't know if I've even seen it, but it was Vince Vaughn and uh, like my gut wants to go to movies. like M Night Shyamalan just because. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just like, <laughs> uh, Mike. You got it. You got him back. You got. <laughs> uh, oh um, man. I, I I'm sorry. All I know is the the original, and then I know they did a TV show. Yeah. Based off of Psycho. Um, and and Hache. That's who the actress was. Right? Wasn't she in it? Her and Vince Vaughn? It was awful. I must have seen it. If I remember this much about it, it must have been awful. I just, I can't tell you who directed it. Let's, okay, so 1998. Who who would have been some uh, mentionable names, honorable mentions? (laughs) No, no, Spielberg wouldn't touch that. Rob Reiner. Carl Reiner. One of the Reiners. I don't, I honestly, I have no idea. The Coen Brothers. That's that's just as good as anything I've thought of. I I don't I have no idea. Just throw throw a director name from the '90s out, or or fuck it and just go with Spiro Agnew. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was wasn't Rob Zombie <laughs> directing movies at that time, or was that later? I feel like he might. Have I done was in like seventh like grade. I'm sorry, I don't know. All right, let's go Spiro Agnew for the win. All right, so so just to confirm, Marissa and Bill have locked in with former Vice President Spiro Agnew. Well, he was disgraced. as the director of the Psycho and then remake. He had to he had to he had to revive a career somehow. So after he yeah. was disgraced as Vice President, he took like twenty five years off, and then came back and directed Psycho. Obviously, yeah. makes sense. It's 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 a reasonable theory. Don't call it uh, crazy. Things have happened. That is true. Chris and Jeremy, what did you guys lock in with? Uh, so Rob Zombie did move to movies, um, but that was later. I think he started off with House of a Thousand Corpses before he moved to The Devil's Rejects, which actually are both uh, phenomenal movies. 
Um, and House of a Thousand Corpses actually has, I believe, I know for a fact it has Chris Hardwick. I think Weird Al is actually in that movie as well. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, Devil's Rejects. Rain, uh, Rain Wilson is in it. Rain Wilson's in it too. Devil's Rejects, if you have not seen it, is the, one of the most unsettling horror movies I have ever seen. The, the motel scene in that movie alone, just I can't watch it again. But it's unfortunately not Rob Zombie. Uh, this is, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, coming off of directing uh, Goodwill Hunting and before he directed Milk and making a life changing performance out of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is Mr. Gus Van Sant. So I almost phrased this question who used the goodwill that he had gotten from his previous release to. <laughs> Uh, convince people to to fund his direction of the 1998 remake of Psycho. Uh, but yes, you are absolutely correct, uh, Chris and Jeremy. It was Gus Van Sant. I would have still and said even he admitted that it was partly an experiment to prove that he couldn't recapture the magic of the original just by doing the exact same thing over again. I would have never gotten to that. Never. I think my favorite part is uh, there's a part in Jay and Silent Bob reboot where they're di- where he's directing Goodwill Hunting too. It's hunting season. Which, ben, I'm busy. <laughs> you're a real artist, Gus. I love that scene. I love that. He just sit there counting his cash. I love that yep. scene. It's fantastic. <laughs> I'm a movie nerd, so I apologize in advance. Yep. Go ahead, Mike. All right, round two, question number two. Your category is box office winners. In 2013, The Hunger Games, Catching Fire, became the first film in 40 years with a female lead to become the highest grossing film of the year. What was the previous film to do this? And now that it's officially fall, I feel like I can admit that I am popping open yet another pumpkin ale from a whole hog brewing company. And Chris can't make fun of me for it this time. No, I can't. Sorry, guys. I knew this was a tough question. It's a great question. It's one that I feel like I should know the answer to, and I don't. The deep heaving sigh of Chris Ligori. You asked me a movie question, I don't know. It's like me asking you a freaking music question. You don't know. It's pissing me off. Yeah, but I'm a lot more used to it than you are. All right, we're locked in. All righty, guys, talk it out. So, Jeremy, I'm thinking Spiro Agnew. (laughs) Now... Oh God! I don't know if I can say this. It doesn't give away anything. I think Spiro Agnew was kicked out around it around the same time. He had that he had that little red number with a high with like a high waist split dress. <laughs> That's why Thank he God he was wearing. <laughs> I had that calendar up on my wall in college. It was amazing. Um, too far. Too far. <laughs> no, sir. Not okay. far enough. I don't know. <laughs> Not on this podcast, that's for sure. <laughs> okay, so we've been talking through a couple of different people. Um, you brought up Farrah Fawcett. I think that's way too. I don't think it's way too early, but like that's that's early for Farrah Fawcett. Not to mention, I don't know of many movies I could name with her okay. in it. I think Liz Taylor is kind of our best guess. So I just want to be clear: we're looking for the film, not the actress. Yeah, but if we can figure out the actress, we can narrow down the films. I, I understand. I just want to make sure. So I think like Liz Taylor might be our right. best guess because she was active from the mix, mid-60s all the way through the mid-80s as far as acting. And I know yeah. she was in a version of Cleopatra. I don't remember what the movie was called. Was there one called Queen of Egypt? That sounds... That might be what it is. Like anything. Uh, Queen of Egypt sounds fine. It's not Queen of the Damned. That was Aaliyah. That was an Anne <laughs> Rice novel. 
Um, yeah. Rest in peace. Yes, way too early. She was phenomenal as a musician and a great actress. Um, I'm good with uh, I'm good with Liz Taylor. I just I don't know anything that she was in. You mentioned Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, but that doesn't feel like it would have been the big blockbuster. We're it's looking not. For here. It's not, and it's, that's what's driving me crazy. Like early seventies, I'm thinking of movies that came up in that time frame, like Taxi Driver. Um, comes to mind. Rocky was later. Uh, Jaws, I think, was later, but none of them are female fronted. Yeah, mm-hmm. Princess of Egypt. I'm okay with that if you want to go with that. I don't have a better guess. I don't really have much to base that on. I, I feel like I've heard of Queen of Egypt, but I really don't have anything behind it. Well, I feel, I know she. I'm, I feel like she played Cleopatra. I don't know when that was, but I don't think the movie was called Cleopatra. Queen of Egypt sounds more like that, right? Because she was the last queen of Egypt. So I- I'm good with locking that in if you are. I'm good with it. All right. So Chris and Jeremy are locking in Queen of Egypt. Marissa and Bill, what do you guys have? Uh, So we locked with Sound of Music, but I know it's too early. But that's what we what we came up with. We were all over the place with movies and tv and yeah tv james bond charlie angels (laughs) charlie's angels no that yeah this like i said this is a tough question um that was hard uh the elizabeth taylor film uh wherein she played cleopatra i believe was called cleopatra Cleopatra. Uh, in spite of Chris's yeah. protestations to the contrary, I actually think it did win uh, the box office in its year, but it was uh, which 60s, I think was right? 1962 or 63. Oh, way too late. Okay, which is way oh, too wow. early. Uh, Sorry. Sound of Music, I believe, yeah. also won box Six, o- yeah, won the box 60. office, but it was I think 65. Yeah, so it was, was also still a little early. Uh, yeah. the, the the answer we're looking for, and it's it doesn't immediately jump out at you as oh yeah, it had a female lead, but uh, or as, or for that matter, that it was the b- box office winner of 1973, but it was The Exorcist. Exorcist. Oh, Exorcist. You were on the right. Bill was on the right path too. He had Carrie, but I thought that was too. It was too early for oh, Carrie. Oh, Linda Blair. Not? Yeah, Carrie. Carrie was later. Is, is she yeah, top that was, building? You guys that? were on the right track. No, Ellen Burstyn is top building that. Son of a. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. I had to look it up too because that was my first thought when I saw that fact. Is I was like Linda Blair was first bull, but no, it's it's her mother. Yeah. So we'll we'll move on to question number three, which uh, perhaps somewhat uh, coincidentally, the the category is swearing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well versed in this category. That's this is right up your alley, Marissa. The first mainstream studio film to say fuck and the first network television show to say son of a bitch, had a common cast member in Gary Berghoff. Name these two productions. No years or anything? Uh, no. I will give you a hint. Oh, wait, I think I know it. You can give him the hint. I think I know it. The, the hint I was going to give uh, that I had, I, I actually had deleted from the question, but I will, I will add, it, add it is, the answer to this question is actually easier than you might think. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and lock in. All righty, Chris and Jeremy are locked in. Marissa and Bill, talk it out. Uh, so you texted me Red Dawn. Uh, um, yeah. That was the first movie with an R rating. 
you can like it was in I think early eighties, mid eighties, you could say a lot of things and it'd still be rated PG before that. We learned that. We just we watched a lot of um some of our like favorite eighties and early nineties movies with the kids and we're like, Oh my gosh, we didn't realize all this language was in here. Yeah. You tend oh. to forget that. Yeah, you do. You don't even realize it as a kid. Oh, I'm I am I am lost on this one. I probably couldn't give you one of them. I don't know. I'm like I'm going to and you said the clue was it's it's easier than you think. It's it's easier than you the answer is easier than you think. Which the only thing I can think of is is um oh the army movie uh TV show. Oh, Mash. oh uh Mash. Maybe okay. that cuz that's that was a TV show and a movie. That's not a bad train of thought there. That would fit the time frame of when ratings started to happen. When ratings started to happen. I, I mean, I'm, I'm good with that. Rating, I don't... But is it ratings related? He didn't mention anything about ratings. No, but no, but I think even before, like, I don't remember when Red Dawn, I know Red Dawn for sure is the first R-rated movie that came out. And that was in the mid 80s, maybe early 80s. Um, so I'm trying to think of like things before that. I mean, the word the use of the word "damn" was "Gone with the Wind," wasn't it? That was the first right, time. Yeah, I, I don't give a damn. Yeah. Yeah. If it's easier than you think, I think it's a, I think it's the same thing. And I know there was a Mash TV show as well as a movie. You've got a better guess than I do. So all right, let's let's, go let's with lock it. in with Mash then. So just to be clear, Marissa and Bill, you guys are locking with Mash as Mash as the movie answer and Mash as the TV answer. Correct. Yep. Okay. Uh, Chris and Jeremy, uh, what is your answer? I'm not happy right now. That's for damn sure. Um, so I don't know the actor. Uh, I do know Jeremy and I were talking, and I, I'm fairly certain there was there was crossover between characters on the movie and characters in the show. And when you said, you know, it's it's rather easy, it, it made me think that it's the same exact name. Um, and I'm pretty sure that the first use of the F word in the movie was, in fact, MASH. And being that it was a popular show, you son of a bitch, I think you're right. We locked in with MASH. So you, all, you also locked in with MASH as both the film and the television. Correct. Uh, so first off, I just want to clarify, Red Dawn was the first PG-13 yep. movie, not the first R-rated movie. Oh, you're right. Um, <laughs> uh, because, and part of the reason... Uh, that I want to clarify that is I'm fairly certain that mash the movie was R rated. Um, and mash the movie is a correct answer. Oh, and mash the go. television show is a correct answer. Damn. Well, logic, Marissa and bill. I am very impressed. Uh, oh. Gary Berghoff was the only cast member to reprise his role from the movie. He played radar on both the movie yep. and the television oh, show. Wow. Okay. Very, very well done. I, that was that was excellent logic. I, oh, I enjoy I enjoyed listening to you guys get there. Uh, your final question before the halftime question. Your category is from the files of the podcast. 
we learned in a previous episode of the Pub Trivia Experience that B. Arthur's character, Dorothy, got married in the final episode of The Golden Girls. But now I'm counting on you to tell me what well-known actor played the man who married her. Good luck. I can see his damn smirking, smarmy-ass face. Mike, we can lock in. Okay, sounds good. You guys can talk it out. Okay, let's see if we can logic to this one, Bill. (laughs) I don't think I have... I I mean... I don't think I have a mash in me on this one. Never a big uh, Golden Girls fan. No, I have a lot of cousins and friends that are obsessed with it, but... I never really watched it. I mean, I'm trying to think of like older men. I have a name in mind. I just cannot. I like. I have a face. I just cannot think of his name for some reason. All I can think of the guy. I can. I can think. I mean, I. I sent to you. Leslie Nielsen comes to mind, but I feel like it's the other. It's the other guy in the movie Airplane. The other, the the pilot. Yeah. You know who I'm talking about? I do. And I am blanking. Why? I have I no blanking? idea if that's who it is, but what is his name? It's the, it's the guy who, the, the one, I, and this might not even be the right answer, but the guy I'm thinking of, he played in, he was in Seinfeld as well. He's one of the Mandelbaums. Are you a Seinfeld fan? Uh, I'm not really. I've seen a few episodes, but I'm not like well versed in it. I feel like maybe we go with your initial gut, but I don't know if you think that's completely wrong. Then not. Yeah, that's I, Leslie Nielsen. I can't. I I don't imagine him being on Golden Girls. He was pretty much in the movies at that point. Okay, so popular '90s, early '90s actors. Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd was in, he was in Back to the Future at, before that. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think of like, think of like white-haired men. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, not- Can I phone a friend? Because I know somebody that would definitely know this. <laughs> Lloyd Bridges. That's who I was thinking of. Let's go with it then. Uh, okay. Unless you don't feel confident with it, <laughs> I don't feel. I, I don't. I liter- that's just. I'm sorry. That's, I'm I literally have that's nothing. who I was thinking of, but I don't. And, he, and now I'm thinking he was. He was. I just watched Airplane the other day, and that's who I was thinking of. Uh, and I couldn't think of his name. I don't know if that's the answer. Well, let's go. We were working. We were. We were working well when we went with our gut. Let's go with. Leslie Nielsen, that was my first initial reaction. I don't think it's right, but... You never know. Yeah, Leslie Nielsen. All right, so Marissa and Bill have locked in with Leslie Nielsen. Chris and Jeremy, what do you guys have? So I'm pretty sure that I have heard this before, um, and I got a little bit of confirmation, I I feel like, from the category, uh, which was from the files of the podcast, which... I remember right is a playoff from the files of police squad, which was from the intro to the naked gun movie star, which starred Leslie Nielsen. All right. Uh, Jeremy, you picked up on my hint. 
the, wow. correct, the, correct, the correct answer isn't. I also put in, uh, now I'm counting on you to tell me the answer. Good luck. Uh, which is a reference to wow. one of his lines from Airplane. It was, yeah. in fact, Leslie Nielsen. Well oh done, everybody. Gosh. Well done. Oh, Bill, what a pull. Holy crap. I, that's two in a row. You guys, are, you guys are killing it. I am really impressed. All right, we are way out of control here. And it's only the halftime question. Your halftime score check going into halftime. I have Chris and Jeremy with 68 points and Marissa and Bill with 60 points. It is anybody's game. I've been, uh, you guys have been doing a great job so far. Uh, so let's see how you do on the halftime question. The halftime question has a category. Your category is Alcoholics Mononymous. A mononymous person is someone who is known by a single name, such as Madonna or Eminem. For this question, I'm going to give you the given name of a famous person, and you're going to give me the mononym that they are commonly known by. There are five of these worth four points each. And uh, if you both agree, I can give you an additional minor hint uh, as to what their profession is or what they're famous for, if you want me to do that. But you guys have, both have to agree on that one. Okay, can we agree after you read the uh, the name? <laughs> I I'm I'm fine with that too. Yeah. All right, great. All right, your names are Sherilyn Sarkeesian, Joan Marie Lorer, Richard Melville Hall, Melissa Jefferson, and Amir Khalib Thompson. I'm struggling hardcore because my phone keeps autocorrecting everything that I fucking type in. <laughs> Damn you, autocorrect. I'm so sorry. So I would be okay with it, with the extra hints if you guys are. I'm good with it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Um,. Really, I'm not sure they're going to give you too much, but uh, again, I, like I said, I will tell you what they're famous for. Uh, Sherilyn Sarkeesian is famous for being an actress and singer. Joan Marie Lohrer is famous for being an athlete. Richard Melville Hall is famous for being a musician and producer. Melissa Jefferson is famous for being a singer. And Amir Khalib Thompson is famous for being a musician. And most mononymous people tend to be in the music industry. So like I said, I wasn't going to give you too much. All right, we're locked in. All righty. You guys want to talk it out? I don't think we do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So for Sherilyn Circassian, we got Cher. Uh, Joan Marie Lore, was that the name? Uh, we went with Johnson. Uh, unless you wanted to go with Lucky, I don't feel like either of them is going to be right. Ah, uh, Richard Melville Hall. <laughs> we went with Moby. Uh, uh, Melissa Jefferson. We went with Tiffany, right? Yep. And uh, Amir Thompson. We went with Flash. All righty. Sounds good. Uh, Marissa and Bill, what'd you guys lock in with? We, we threw out a couple names there uh, that we didn't go with. We thought of Bono, Pink, Meatloaf, and Seal, but we ended up going with uh, Cher, China, the wrestler. Oh, it's China. Uh, Moby, mm. Moby as Richard Melville Hall, Jewel as Melissa Jefferson, and 
uh, Khalid or DJ Khalid for Amir Khalid Thompson. I like all the answers better than ours. Except for the ones where we matched. I like those just fine. Oh, <laughs> gotcha. Um, so, yes, uh, Sherilyn uh, Sarkeesian, you guys were correct. That was Cher. Uh, Joan Marie Lohrer, uh, Chris and Jeremy, as you guys were discussing it, I almost wish that I had said athlete slash entertainer uh, because they're absolutely right. It's China. That brings me more to stripper that does wrestler. So sorry. I, I, yeah, I get I get you. I get you. Also, uh, R.I.P. <laughs> yes, yep. uh, absolutely. Uh, Richard Melville Hall. Yes, you guys did pick up on the middle name. That is, in fact, Moby. Melissa Jefferson. This is a I, I am completely unfamiliar with her work, uh, but she is apparently making major waves in the pop music scene. This is Lizzo. Yeah, Lizzo. I came up. With, so after we locked, I'm like, oh, fuck, okay. that's Lizzo. Yeah, I have Lizzo. never heard of Lizzo in my entire life. You don't know who Lizzo is? No, I'm 37 year old she Caucasian just made, male. She just made. Uh, she just made Vogue. She is the <laughs> first plus size black woman on Vogue. More power to her. That's awesome. No, I don't know who she is. Absolutely. I just that's uh, I'm you, the same. You, I, just, I just don't know. You do need to listen to her. Uh, and uh, Amir Khalib Thompson uh, slash was actually one that was on my list that I that I cut. Uh, it's not. It's not slash. Amir Khalib Thompson is actually Questlove. Oh no way! Oh, yeah, Questlove, oh, okay. the drummer, drummer for the Roots, Jimmy Fallon's Roots. house band. Yeah, you you, got, you guys did great. Um, yeah, um, Marissa and Bill, you closed the gap a little bit heading into the second half of our game. Uh, the scores are seventy six to seventy two. Um, your for your third round, your primary category is sports. Your first category is for que- for question one is famous World Series games. Most baseball fans know that Don Larson threw the first and to date only perfect game in World Series history. But the opposing Dodgers pitcher Sal Magley threw a pretty good game too, only allowing five hits. Unfortunately for Brooklyn, one of those hits was a home run to which future Hall of Famer? Marissa, I'm I'm pretty clear. We should lock in on this one. You think so? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So Chris and Jeremy can talk it out. All right, Jeremy. So we're going back and back and forth here. My original, what I originally said was Reggie Jackson, but then I went back and heard the Brooklyn clue. And Brooklyn, the Dodgers left Brooklyn in the, in the early '60s, which tells me Don Larson pitched probably in the '50s. I mean, the '50s and the '60s Yankees were. They just stack teams, and there's three Hall of Famers that fit in that in that realm. Um, Mickey Mantle would have been kind of early coming into his prime because I know in the movie '61 he was like in the prime of his career. Yogi Berra, I think Don Larson. I think about what I said earlier. I think Don Larson is closer to the late '50s. So Yogi Berra had like a long career, but when the movie 61 came out, which I believe is right around 1961, because I think he hit 61 in 61, Yogi Berra was towards the tail end of his career because I think he was splitting time with someone at that point in time. And that also kind of brings me back to Joe DiMaggio. Joe DiMaggio was insane. Like the guy was one of the 
was one of the best players of all time. And I'm looking at all of my co-hosts, called the co-players here, none of them are shaking their heads yes or no. I was hoping to get a hint. That didn't work. <laughs> like Joe DiMaggio, to me, is our best bet. It's our best guess, but it would not surprise me if it's Mantilla Barra. Okay. I'll go along with you on that. We'll go Joe D. All righty, Chris and Jeremy locked in with Joe DiMaggio. Uh, Marissa and Bill, what are you guys locked in with? We went with Yogi B. No, no, we did we not. <laughs> no, we didn't? Who did we go no, with? We went with Mickey Mantle. Oh, we did. Okay, yeah. sorry. <laughs> I'm misreading text. Oops. A hundred percent Mickey Mantle. All just, yeah, you're right. Yep. <laughs> all right, you guys went with Mickey Mantle. A um, couple key I'm components... Sorry. Key components to that question uh, is knowing that Don Larson threw the perfect game in the 1956 World Series. Uh, and in the case of Chris and Jeremy, knowing that Joe DiMaggio retired in 1951 after the 1951 se- season. Um, the correct answer is, in fact, Mickey Mantle. Well done, Marissa and Bill. That retires our baseball question for this uh, round of sports questions. Your question number two, your category is Dates which will live in infamy. What two college teams participated in the first televised football game to feature instant replay, which fittingly took place on December 7th, specifically 1963? Just to clarify, we need both teams, right? Yes, you need both teams. Hey, uh, we're going to go ahead and lock in. You guys can talk it out. December 1963... December seventh, nineteen sixty-three. December seventh is is Pearl Harbor Day. I know that. Right. Yeah. That's what's. I don't know if it's tripping me up or if it's making it fit. Um. My initial thought was like a Hawaii, California team, like Hawaii and Cal or UCLA, Stanford. But the other thought I had and I was just about to to message you with was what about like an army navy game? Ooh, that's a that's a good one. Like I feel I feel like I feel like the states there's too many California teams for me to feel confident in one of them. But uh yeah. Army Navy's like always a big game you know, like, a, uh, hey, pay attention to this, go America type of game. Yeah. Hawaii, obviously, for I, for, for the... For, yeah, Pearl Harbor Day. Pearl Harbor. I like, your thi- I like your thinking on Army-Navy, because that would be... With the date and the... I feel Pearl like that's got to be more of a... More of a, I don't know the word. A patriotic um, kind of thing. Patriotic I, symbol of of that day. All right, Marissa and Bill locked in with Army Navy. Uh, Chris and Jeremy, what'd you guys lock in with? Yeah, so um, I know the this game is usually held around that time frame every year. Uh, I think they're right. I'm pretty sure it's Army Navy. Uh, so it might be a uh, just a, a reflection of my upbringing or whatever, but I didn't even consider 
that Hawaii would fitting would be a, fall under the fittingly uh, uh, clue in that in that particular question. It is in fact Army Navy, uh, and I can happily report that Navy won that particular game, led by Roger Staubach, who unfortunately went on to be a Dallas Cowboy. <laughs> unfortunately, all right, all right. I, I'm a, I'm a football team fan. I can't say what I'm actually a fan of anymore. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I'm a, I grew up in, I grew up in the D.C. area, so I'm a I'm a Washington fan. But well done, both of you. Uh, that is correct. It was Army Navy uh, played in the uh, December seventh, nineteen sixty three game. That was the first one to feature instant replay. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, huh. I grew up. I so I grew up in New Jersey and. In New Jersey, you have Eagles fans, Jets fans, and Giants fans, and all oh, three yeah. of them are the most obnoxious people in the world. So I was a Cowboys <laughs> fan, which is ah. least of all, least of all those evils. Just, just out of spite. <laughs> yeah. My family's from Philadelphia, so I can attest to that. Uh, all right. Um, <laughs> question number three in round three. Uh, your category is flying V. The city of Atlanta currently does not have an NHL team, but it has been home to two in the past. Both of these eventually moved on to Canada and both still exist in 2020. Name one of these two teams, or for five bonus points, name both. Lightning win. Lightning have ha. won. Speaking of hockey. Sweet. By the way, I'm just delayed on that. Sorry. Speaking of hockey and speaking of Dallas and teams that we're currently rooting against. It's the wall. There's a little bit of a break. I'm uh, opening up another peanut butter busted knuckle. What was that brewery again? Quaff on. I have to ask, are you looking for the the city or the team name? And if the team name, are you asking for their team name when they were in Atlanta or when they moved to their Canadian city? If you give yes, me the te- if you give me the team name, it it needs to be the current team name. I will accept just the city. In Canada. All right, we're locking in. All righty. They're locked in. Talk it out, guys. So uh, w- this is what this is what's bothering me is I have this question in my quiver to write or to use in a game. And I know for a fact that Atlanta was a team or was a city that had the big four. They were one of the cities that had the, the big four inside of the actual city. And they lost that when the team, when the hockey team left Atlanta and I'm almost positive they became the Winnipeg Jets. Um, if he's okay taking just the city, I want to say it's Winnipeg. And then I thought there, I thought. So the, the other teams in Canada we've gone through. It's not the Montreal Canadiens. It's not the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're original teams or close to original teams. They've been around for a long, long time. The only other city that I can come up with that has a yeah. hockey team currently is the Vancouver Canucks. But I remember, if I'm not mistaken, the Canucks were an expansion team. I don't think they're a transplant from anywhere, which brings me back to Calgary because I know the Lightning beat the Calgary Flames for their first Stanley Cup. And I thought the Calgary Flames, I, I could almost swear they came from somewhere. I had no idea Atlanta lost the hockey team twice. That's absolutely shocking to me. I don't know how you go from one city and say, hey, we had a hockey team before. We're going to give them another one. And then you do that and both teams leave. Although now that I'm thinking about it, Montreal might have two baseball teams and that makes sense. I I think my answer to me, and I'm talking in circles here, but I do think Winnipeg is our best answer for number one. 
And if you ask for a team name, the current team name is the Winnipeg Jets. And then the answer for number two would be the Calgary Flames. That's my best guess to this. I'm good with that. All right, Chris and Jeremy are locked in with the Winnipeg Jets and the Calgary Flames. Marissa and Bill, what do you guys have? So we went with the Jets and the Senators, but we did throw out the Flames at one point, um, oh, but ended up with the Senators instead Ottawa. of the Flames. I did not think of Ottawa at all. Damn it. Yeah. Senators feels more American. It really does, doesn't it? Um which so I wrong. can tell you that <laughs> I can tell you that both teams uh, got it correct. Uh, mm. The Threshers did become the second iteration of the Winnipeg Jets, uh, and I can tell you that one team is in fact getting bonus points. I believe it was sometime in the '60s. Atlanta had a hockey team that was called the Atlanta Flames, and they moved to Calgary wow. and became the Calgary Flames. Oh, so well All done, right, Chris. Well done, Chris and Jeremy. You guys got the bonus points. That was all Chris. That was not me. Oh, man. Nice, Nicely done. Nicely done. I guess I'm not asking that question in a future game, although it might appear as a question I'm sorry. I didn't mean to steal your question. I did not mean to steal your question. I promise. (laughs) Round four. Round three, question four. Your category is some people just got game. Who holds the NBA record for most three-point field goals? Locked in. I'm pretty confident on this one. It was, I mean, I feel like it was Del Curry before, but I think Steph Curry broke the record in 2016, 17, somewhere in there. I honestly haven't followed NBA since Allen Iverson, so it's all you. (laughs) All right, let's go Steph Curry. All right, Marissa and Bill have locked in with Steph Curry. Chris and Jeremy, what did you guys lock in with? So I think if you're talking about three-point field goals in a season, I think Steph Curry is the right answer. But you're talking about three-point field goals in a career? I think of none other. Most career three-pointers. I think of none other than the University of Connecticut legend and the co-star with Denzel Washington in the movie He Got Game. I think of Mr. Ray Allen. Uh. All right, uh, Chris picked up on my hint, uh, and perhaps earlier when yep. I was talking about Evil Twin Brewing, I should have said that it was the uh, that Ray Allen also came out of Connecticut. <laughs> uh, it is, in fact, Ray Allen. Steph Curry is currently third on the all-time three-point list, so that's a very good guess. Uh, I think th- third or fourth, uh, but it is, in fact, Ray Allen. Well done, Chris. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest with this one. I didn't actually listen to the question. I heard three pointers in NBA. <laughs> I heard single. I I thought of single mm. season. Not <laughs> yep. Not all time. That's on me. All right, we're at, we're we're down to round four. Uh, let me give a score check real quick. Let's see if I can do basic math here. I have. Chris and Jeremy with 111 points, and I have Marissa and Bill with 102 points. So it's still anybody's game. It's your 111th birthday. Round four, your primary category, your round category is life in these United States. (laughs) Question number one, 
because I had to do it at least once for Chris's sake, your category is geography. What is the largest city in the continental United States by land area? Mike, I think we're good to lock in. Uh, I'm sorry, who locked in? Uh, Jeremy and Chris. Okay, Jeremy and Chris locked in. Marissa and Bill, you can okay. talk it out. Please save me from my inappropriate, that's what she said, Joe. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's, I'm pretty sure it's Jacksonville. Um, it's Jacksonville? Yeah, I know, I know Oklahoma City's up there in size. Oh, I've been, I've been there. I've been to Jacksonville, but Jacksonville's like, uh, city limits is like, like on, on I-95 is like 40 miles. Maybe not that many, but 20 miles plus. Like, I don't know why, but I'm like stuck on Dallas and LA for some reason. Um, it's not it's not LA. Dallas, I'm I'm I I could see, but there's so many little suburbs that like there aren't Dallas, yeah. but can, they call themselves Dallas. Like I I have a buddy of mine, okay. one of my college roommates, lives in Aurora, and he's like, I live in Dallas, and he doesn't. Um. I, I'm pretty sure it's I'm pretty sure it's Jacksonville. Like how we say we're from Tampa over here, but we're not actually from Tampa. Yeah, um, yeah, you're Clearwater or somewhere else around there. I yeah. think I think it's I think it's Jacksonville. Okay, uh, let's. It's a random fact, so let's go with it. All right, Marissa and Bill are locked in with Jacksonville. Chris and Jeremy, what do you guys have? Well, I think we're going to sink or fall together. Uh, Chris and I, we talked a little bit, and I think we both heard this question someplace else. Uh, he thought Jacksonville first, and that sounded familiar to me throughout a couple of other big cities, Chicago and you know a couple other places. Um, LA, I'm pretty sure, is the biggest by population, but you know, with a lot of those big cities, you got a lot of metro areas uh, and little cities that are kind of within that area. So uh, we, we did land on Jacksonville, Florida. All right. So the, uh, the emphasis here was on continental United States because the top three or four cities in the United States based on land area are in Alaska. Uh, but once you get to the continental United States, uh, this actually blew my mind. And yet apparently this is more known than I thought because when I asked my father-in-law this question, he got it right away. And you guys got it way the hell quicker than I would. It is, in fact, Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah. Well done. That city is huge. Like, Jacksonville, it's insanely big. All righty. Uh, question number two in round four, life in the United States. Your category is non-sexual positions. Frederick Mullenberg of Pennsylvania was the first to hold this position. Texas's Sam Rayburn was the longest, though not continually. James K. Polk is the only person to have held this position and later become president. And you probably know who holds this position now. What am I talking about? I'm sorry, I'm drunk. Can you repeat the question? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably should have put this in an earlier round. Okay. <laughs> 
that like that just went whoosh. Yeah, like, no, that's way. fine. That's, that that's fine. I yeah. I know the I know the it's a little unwieldy the wording, but <laughs> Frederick Mullenberg of Pennsylvania was the first to hold this position. Texas's Sam Rayburn was the longest, though not continually. James K. Polk is the only person to have held this position and later become president, and you probably know who holds this position now. What position am I talking about? I think we can lock in. <laughs> All righty. You guys talk it out. Okay, so this is where my head's going. Um, if you're saying the person... So we talked about the Secretary of Defense, Secretary of War. Um, Secretary of War is no longer... It's, it's now the Secretary of Defense, but they're not... I don't believe they have the same jurisdiction. I don't think they're the same position. What's throwing me off is... Yeah. I think it was kind of absorbed. War, war, I think, was kind of absorbed by defense, but they're a little bit different. I, I like your thinking about uh, Speaker of the House, though. Yeah, but I... Uh, I don't... It's not common for people to go from the House to the presidency. It's not. And I... What's bothering me is this. There's the hint that he's giving about Rayburn being non-consecutive. And when I think non-consecutive, I think of I think of James Garfield, or no Cleveland, J- Cleveland Grover Cleveland. Sorry, Cleveland. Yeah, because Grover he Cleveland. served non-consecutive terms. So that's where I'm going. Well, maybe it is a secretary position, but he's saying you sure as hell know who it is now. I don't know how many secretaries I can name, unless it's like Secretary of the Treasury. Like yeah, Steve that's Mnuchin. true. There, there have been a lot. Um. Uh, he wouldn't be wouldn't be Secretary of the Treasury because the first Secretary of the Treasury was Alexander Hamilton. You're right. So it's not Treasury. Yeah, you're right. Secretary of State doesn't seem to make sense because there's other names you could bring up there that would add into that. Um. Yeah, and it was pretty common early on for Secretary of State to move into the presidency. Yeah, it was very common. I mean, I think after, if I'm not mistaken, after. Uh, Vice Presidency, I think Secretary of State is still like the most common position to be held before moving into the presidency. Um, Speaker of the House makes sense. The non-consecutive part's throwing me off. Yeah. Well, I don't think that that part doesn't throw me off too much because the House House elections are every two years. Yeah. Or House positions uh, come up every two years. So... I don't think it would be as unusual for the balance of power to switch okay. pretty often in the house. So I don't, I don't, I don't hate that answer. And I really don't think I have anything much better than that. It just feels Unless we start getting to like state level positions or something. And I don't, I don't feel like this is going to lend itself to a state level, you know, the no. governor of, of Georgia or something. I don't, I don't feel like it's going to lend itself to that type of position. My only thing, I just, I can't remember what James K. Polk did before he became president. That's what's bothering me too. I don't think he was obviously, he I don't think he was, uh, I don't think he was any part of, a previous president's cabinet. I don't think he was there. I think he would have been some type of a local legislator or, you know, senator or House of Representatives. But senator, if you're a senator, you're going to be, you know, the majority, the minority leader. But I still come back to those being more modern terms. 
wouldn't know what the hell they were called back then. I don't know. I'll leave it up to you, man. I, I really don't know. Sure. Yeah, I'm I'm good with it. Yeah, we'll go Speaker of the House. All righty, Chris and Jeremy have locked in with Speaker of the House. Marissa and Bill, what do you guys get? I was really hoping you wouldn't logic to it, but it's definitely Speaker of the House. So the current Speaker of the House also is a non-consecutive holder of the title of Speaker of the House because John Boehner held it uh, during the period of time when the Republicans held the House. But you Mm -hmm. definitely know the current Speaker of the House, which is Nancy Pelosi. Frederick Muhlenberg was the first Speaker of the House. Uh, and James K. Polk was the only Speaker of the House to ever become president. You guys are both absolutely correct. Speaker of the House. Well done. I'll take it. Nice. Oh, man. I'll nice. take it. Uh, moving on. Question number three in your category of life in these United States. We wouldn't be complete in the United States without a category about fast food. What is the only state capital that does not have a McDonald's? I think four beers was too much and two shots. <laughs> Especially when they're picklebacks. Uh, Marissa, are we good? Are we locked in? Oh, I don't I don't know. Oh. Sure, let's go with that. I can't think yeah. of anything else, so. We're locked <laughs> uh, in. <laughs> All right, Marissa and Bill are locked in. Okay. So we've 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 literally covered like 45 of the 50 yeah, states. Well, the other five is where you're where you're looking for, then I guess. No, because I know it's not Tallahassee. I know it's not Sacramento. Because like I'm a big dude, and I've gotten McDonald's in both of those places. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've we've gone a couple of different directions. Um, you brought up New England. I'm from New England, and I know I'm from a a, a city called Stratford, Connecticut, and Stratford in Connecticut was well known for the fact that they refused to have a McDonald's in their or any fast food chain for the longest time, but they have one now. Um, Hartford's the capital of Connecticut, but Hartford is heavily industrialized. um, And I just feel like an industrial city is going to have these quick service type of restaurants. So I'd be shocked if Hartford didn't have a McDonald's, although I've never actually been there. Yeah. I don't know. Um, the other cities in New England, Providence has them. Boston, I ha- I'm almost positive I've seen them in Boston. Then you get to the the the, the yeah. other capital cities: Augusta, Montpelier, and Concord. I've never been to. Right. Concord is the capital of Vermont. Uh, Concord is New Hampshire. Sorry, Montpelier is Vermont. I'm sorry. Yeah. But I go back to what you said earlier. You said, you know, what about Juno or Honolulu? Honolulu, I think, would have it, but... Yeah. I think so, too. I took my honeymoon in Alaska, and... I don't remember what city it was, but they said most of their food came from boat, and that when the winters came, like, they had to stock up on food. Like... Yeah. What... Uh, my my thing with Juno is, like, if it, if it gets frozen out, is a McDonald's really going to close? Like, it's not a Waffle House. It can't just stay open every day of the week, can it? <sighs> I don't know. Those are the four. Well, most of their food's frozen anyway. <laughs> a Wendy's could not survive. In I worked there for two and a half years. I can tell you it's uh, frozen. It is. <laughs> I mean, I'll, those are the four that I've come down to, and I really don't have a dog in the fight. It's either going to be Concord, it's going to be Montpelier, yeah. Augusta, or Juno. I don't think it's Augusta, actually, because like, Maine just seems like a fast food kind of place. 
You okay with Juno? Yeah, I mean, it's I'm perfectly okay with it. All right, Chris and Jeremy are locked in with Juno. Marissa and Bill, what did you guys lock in with? We also considered Juno and Honolulu, but we went up. We went with Montpelier, Vermont. All righty. Uh, well, uh, there were uh, two additional clues that I considered including in this question. Number the first was that it also happens to be the smallest capital by population. Uh, and the other, yep. which might have given even more of a clue, is even though they don't have a McDonald's, I'm fairly certain they have a Ben and Jerry's. Yeah. Oh. The correct answer is Montpelier, Vermont. Well done. Yes. All righty. We are on to our final question before the wager round. Your fourth question in round four is pre- your category is in presidential epitaphs. And I admit that the title of this category is somewhat ironic. Thomas Jefferson specifically requested to be recognized for three accomplishments on his grave, and none of them involved having served as president of the United States. One, perhaps obviously, was having been the author of the Declaration of Independence. Name either of the other two, and you get a bonus five points if you can name both. I'm literally singing Hamilton in my head right now. Same, same. <laughs> Whatever's awaiting me in NYC. Who's waiting for me when I step in the place? My friend James Madison, red in the face. Okay, I'm done. Doing whatever the hell it is you do in Monticello. That's I couldn't think of Monticello. Thank you for that. He was the founder oh, of the Monticello fuck. School of Wizardry. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, are we... Are we good? What's our second one? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, I'm like I've got I've got Hamilton lyrics just just going right now. So, all right, we're locked in. Okay. Um. <laughs> all right, Chris, talk it out. Chris and Jeremy, talk it out. <sighs> yeah. So, Chris, you said founder of UVA. I definitely think that's one of them. I know I've heard this at some point. So I know when, when Florida State plays the University of Virginia, we play for the Jefferson Epps Trophy. And I think Epps is a reference to the founder of Florida State University. And I believe he is like the grandson of the great-grandson of Thomas Jefferson, the founder of UVA. And that makes sense. Like He founded one of the mm-hmm. premier institutions of higher learning in the United States. So that makes a lot of sense. And ironically, it's somehow yeah. magically near the University of Virginia, which is awesome. Um. Yeah, and he was he was really proud of that accomplishment too. He was. I, I think when he died, like he donated his library to the university. I could be wrong, completely wrong there, but I think I've read that somewhere. Um, like, uh, oh, hold on, hold on. So maybe he's proud of. Is it possible he's proud of DC being as a part of Virginia? In the musical, that was a big win for uh, them. Yeah. Was the, the was the fact that they traded? Yeah, and that's true. They were they were in on that. I I don't feel like that's going to make it on his tombstone though because nobody really knows what happened. Yeah, no one was in the room um, when it happened. Hold on, hold on. What about the Louisiana Purchase? He may not take credit for the being president, but what about the Louisiana Purchase? Because he was the president when that happened. Yeah, I I think I, I think I'm okay with that. All right, Mike. We'll go with uh. He's a founder of a college, but the college is now the University of Virginia, and our bonus point answer will be 
the Louisiana Purchase. All righty. Uh, sounds good. Marissa and Bill, what did you guys lock in with? We went with father, not founder, of the University of Virginia and ambassador to France. All righty. Um, I actually don't know whether it's father or founder offhand. I'm going to accept either for the University of Virginia. Uh, so you guys are both going to get 10 points. Uh, unfortunately, no bonus points on this one. Uh, the third thing that he was most proud of was having been the author of the Virginia Statute on Religious Freedom. Oh, the Jeffersonian Bible. I didn't even think about that. Oh, man. Yeah, 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 yep. Exactly. Exactly. He was he was very key. He was very keyed into the whole uh, church and state thing. Uh, so uh, ten points awarded across the board on that one. So we're going in to our wager round, and holy shit, I'm not sure we've ever had a closer game than we have right now. With 141 points, we have Chris and Jeremy. With 142 points. Holy. I'm not kidding. Yes. What? We have Marissa and Bill. <laughs> this is awesome. So uh, we're going into a rage around. Um, we have three questions. Uh, I will give you guys the categories uh, and I will need a wager from you all. Uh, I will give you the three categories, but I will tell you that the primary category for the wager round is Mike's Hobbies. No. Your categories are very straightforward. They are literature, music, and trivia. Yep, we're locked in. All righty. We got our wagers locked in. Here we go to the wager round. Your first category is in literature. As of 2020, two Pulitzer Prize winning novels have been adapted into films that went on to win the Academy Award for Best Picture. One of these was Gone with the Wind. What was the other one, which won in 1950 and, incidentally, was written by a Vanderbilt alumnus? I hate you. You know you love me. This question is literally pissing me off, just throwing that out there. Well, in that case, we'll lock in. Ha 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 ha! You guys want to talk it out? I think we came to oh, one here. Um, so we're down to four, right? <laughs> um, yeah. The the four that we're down to is um, an American in Paris from here to eternity, all about Eve. And those are my. And then the other was to kill a mockingbird. To kill a mockingbird, yeah. So to kill a mockingbird, won a Pulitzer, right? We're we're fairly confident in that. I think so i think it did i've read my wife's copy of it and i'm pretty sure that on the front of it it said something about winning a pulitzer um i'm not 100 percent on that you feel like it won best picture though right i do i feel like it did win best picture but i don't i'm not the other three i know won best picture and i'm kind of confident in that time from late 40s early 50s yeah, let's let's do Tequila Mockingbird. I'm fine with that. Or in, in trivia, as trivia okay. fans know, Tequila Mockingbird. Ha! 
All right. So Chris and Jeremy have locked in with To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, Marissa and Bill, uh, we'll go over all the answers at the end, but go ahead and tell us what you locked in with. We, I So I went on a deep dive. A good friend of mine on a podcast episode is obsessed with I Love Lucy. And so I went on a deep dive of I Love Lucy and uh, arrived uh, with on a Wikipedia page of Fred Astaire. So we went with It's All About Eve, which won a ton of uh, awards right after Gone with the Wind. So It's All About Eve is what we went with. All righty. Sounds good. Uh, we'll come back to that. Question number two in your wager round, your category is music. The first CD pressing plant opened in Terre Haute, Indiana. On September 21st, 1984. Fittingly, the first CD ever to come off the production line was what classic album released only three months prior? Yeah, we're going to go ahead and lock in, actually. We, we feel pretty good about it. Okay. Chris and Jeremy are locked in. Marissa and Bill talk it out. Uh, we. I feel like we were too confident in our warm-up round on this question. I have no idea. 1984, classic. We're looking for an album title. I don't I I got nothing, Marissa. Apparently, Marissa has nothing as well. Yeah. 1984. I also have nothing. Um, 1984. Okay, let's see. Who was big in 1984? Uh... Michael Jackson. Um, Madonna. Uh, I feel like you have like your '80s hair bands. Ooh, okay. Um, but I don't. I I can't tell you an album name. Purple Rain. Uh that's that's exactly what I was thinking of. Was Purple Rain? <laughs> that's the only thing I can think of for some reason. Right, let's I go with it. Know. Purple Rain. Okay. Prince. All righty. Marissa and Bill are locked in with Purple Rain. Uh, Chris and Jeremy, what did you guys lock in with? We went with the popular band, the Orwellian Agnews. <laughs> do you need the Do you need the album title or no? Uh, it was their debut album, so it was self titled. Damn I'm right, it was. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. What is this classic album that I've never yeah. heard of? We'll we'll we'll, we'll, Spiro, we'll get there the when we go Agnes. over the questions. Wait, the, the lead singer is <laughs> Spiro Agnew. Spiro Agnew's greatest hit. Right. <laughs> your third and final question over your wager round. Your category is in trivia. According to Wikipedia. The first known usage of the term trivia to describe a game of questions and answers about popular culture, such as the one we have been engaged in uh, for the past couple hours, was published in the Daily Spectator, which is the newspaper of what Ivy League university? Can I ask a clarifying question if the, if the other team is okay with it? Sure. Is everyone we'll okay? take whatever we can get to. Jeremy, you okay with me asking a clarifying question here? Yes. Mike, is this 
the Daily Spectator, is that the official school newspaper? Or is it possible it's an offshoot newspaper uh, run by, I don't know, maybe some people who went to Vanderbilt and started a mockery newspaper at the university? <laughs> it is the, to my knowledge, official newspaper of the university. We are locked in. Alrighty. Christian Jeremy, you want to talk it out? It's a one in seven shot. Okay, so one in six, <laughs> really. Yeah. Except I I really thought Stanford was considered Ivy League. No, Stanford's not, part of the Pac twelve. I'm not great on Ivy League schools, but I thought they were. No, Stanford is definitely part of the Pac twelve. So my little brother went to an Ivy League school. Um he went to the University of Pennsylvania and he will not let me forget that. Um I joke because he's the most modest kid huh. in the world, and I still call him a kid even though he's damn near 30. Um, so the Ivy League schools are going to be University of Pennsylvania, which is not the right answer, Harvard, which is not the right answer. That's the Crimson. Uh, so there's going to be Yale, Cornell, Columbia, Brown, Princeton, and um, who has Keggy? Uh, Dartmouth. Those are the six. Dartmouth, Yeah. Is there, Mike, is there anything? Can you read the question one more time? I want to make sure there's not like a clue that I'm missing or anything. I, I will read the question one more time. Absolutely. According to Wikipedia, the first known usage of the term trivia to describe a game of questions and answers about popular culture, such as the one we are engaging in here, was published in the Daily Spectator, which is the newspaper of what Ivy League university? Yeah, the only clue that I'm picking up there is possibly the person that invented Wikipedia went to this university. But I, even then, that's a stretch. There's nothing. Uh. That's a, the, the other clue that I'm picking up there is I feel like trivia is not a new word. Okay. So, and I don't, I don't know how old these colleges, these universities are. So I feel like it's going to be an older possibly an older university. I don't know. Uh, that leads me more towards Princeton than anything else. They're Ivy League, so they're probably all old, right? Well, Harvard's the oldest university in the in the U.S., um, but Harvard's yeah, the Crimson. Yale's number not. Yeah, I don't think it's Yale. Princeton, I think, is that old. Princeton's on our short list and is older, so I, I'd be okay with that if you feel like that's a better answer. Do you know how old Brown is? I don't. I, I mean, they're all the Ivy League is the, if I'm not mistaken, like the oldest group of colleges. So I would assume they're all going to be in that. Yeah. You know what? Mid 1700s to early 1800s, if not before that. Harvard's been around since before that, but I don't know when they actually joined this yeah. grouping. I, I don't. I, I, I'm sorry, man. I'm trying to. I'm trying to come up with some sort of a logic here, and I just can't get there. Yeah, I don't think there's really anything that we're going to be able to do logically. So, Brown, I'm I'm good with it. Yeah, we'll lock in with Brown University. All righty. Chris and Jeremy are locked in with Brown University. Uh, Marissa and Bill, what would you guys lock in with? All right. So, this is not the Yale Daily News. This is not the Harvard Crimson. This is the Columbia Daily Spectator. Thank you, Gilmore Girls. <laughs> and thank you, John Krasinski. <laughs> All righty. So uh, let's go to our first category, which was in literature. Uh, to refresh our memories, uh, what did you guys lock in with, Chris and Jeremy? We locked in with To Kill a Mockingbird. Okay. And Marissa and Bill, what did you guys lock in with? 
Uh, I believe that was all about Eve. Okay, Chris and Jeremy, what was your wager? 35. All right, you guys wagered 35. Marissa and Bill, what'd you guys wager? Uh, on that one, I believe we wagered six. All righty. Uh, so, um, To Kill a Mockingbird did not, unfortunately, it did win Appeal of Surprise, it did not win Best Picture. Uh, All About Eve was very close in the sense that I think it was about two years off, and it does share the first word with the Best Picture winner that we were looking for, which is All the King's Men. Oh. All the King's oh, Men was the Best Picture winner. It was right. also a Pulitzer Surprise winner. That did not even come to my mind. Mm. I'm sorry. I didn't. It's the one everybody forgets. It was yeah, You guys were I really close because an American in Paris was the next year. Didn't so you even think of really that one? You guys were really close. Your second question, your category was in music. Uh, refresh our memories, guys. What was uh, your answers? Uh, Chris and Jeremy, what did you guys have? Uh, we had the Orwellian Agnew's debut self-titled album. Lest we forget, like how could, I mean, the classic, it's a stone cold classic. Rolling Stone gave it five stars and didn't regret it for one second. <laughs> <laughs> Marissa and Bill, what'd you, what did you guys have? Uh, we went with Purple Rain. So Purple Rain is in a way a heartbreaking answer. Because it fits the clue in so many ways. It was literally released three months before God. the first CD pressing, but it's not. But it's not fittingly, because fittingly, the first CD to ever come off a production line of an American CD pressing plant was "Born in the USA" by Bruce Springsteen. Of course. Mm. Oh yeah. Oh man! Wow. I'm I'm from New Jersey. I should know that. <laughs> <laughs> Bill? It's, the, it's, it's the only good thing that, that has ever come from New Jersey other than myself has been Bruce Springsteen. Uh, Chris and Jeremy, what'd you guys wager on that? We wagered nothing on that. Uh, Marissa, what did you guys wager? We wagered nine on that. You guys wagered nine. Okay. So heading in to the final question, our current scores are Chris and Jeremy with 106. And Marissa and Bill with 127. On the final question, uh, Chris and Jeremy, your answer again, please. The category of trivia. Uh, we said we said Brown University because we're such big Gilmore Girls fans. We know the answer is Brown University. <laughs> right. <laughs> maybe if you uh, liked John Krasinski as much as I did, you would know that this is not Brown University. <laughs> I'm pulling up John Krasinski I- now. I got that reference about as much as I got the Gilmore reference, Gilmore Girls reference, but Marissa and uh, Bill, you can refresh my memory as to what your answer was, please. So uh, I spoke, I gave the wrong name. Rory wrote for the Daily News for Yale, but the answer is Columbia. Mm-hmm. The uh, newspaper for Yale is, in fact, the Daily News. Uh, I just had it a second ago. One second, let me pull it up. The Brown newspaper is the Daily Herald. They have daily newspapers at all these Ivy League universities, apparently. Uh, But Columbia does, in fact, have the Daily Spectator. So well done on that one. Yes. Uh, uh, What were were y'all's wagers? Chris, Jeremy? It doesn't matter. We wagered 35, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. 
And Marissa and Bill? We went 27. You went 27. All right. And that gives us a final score of, it does not reflect at all how close this game was. Because again, lest we forget, this was a one point game going into the wager round. Uh, Just phenomenal. Uh, Chris and Jeremy with a final score of 71. And Marissa and Bill are winners tonight with a final score of 154. Well done, everybody. Nicely played. Well, everyone, that has been another episode of the Pub Trivia Experience. If you're interested in more trivia podcasts, I cannot recommend enough. The Trivia with Friends podcast with our friend here, Bill. Bill, tell everyone how they can find your show. Anywhere you find podcasts, uh, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anything, Anchor.fm, anywhere you can find it, you can download and listen. Uh, We have about 13 episodes on right now. We've taken a short break, and we're coming back on next month. In October, we'll have our next episode airing live again, uh, back on a regular weekly schedule. So take a listen, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. We'd love to have you be a listener. Find it wherever you get your podcast. I guarantee you're going to enjoy it. Uh, Don't forget, rate, review, subscribe. Five-star ratings, awesome reviews are always helpful to any one of the podcasts you listen to. Uh, trivia with friends pub trivia experience any one of those for the pub trivia experience so everybody i have been chris i've been rissa and i am drunk (laughs) i am mike and i'm somewhat (laughs) and i'm jeremy and i'm bill and we won (laughs) (laughs) somehow this ended up like the the middle act of hamilton (laughs) we fought we won not me i'm the freaking british You'll be back. <laughs> Find the Pub Trivia Experience anywhere you get podcasts. Pub Trivia Experience on Instagram and Facebook, on Twitter at Pub Trivia Pod, PubTriviaExperience.com. Also, find our sister podcast, Boozy Bracketology, anywhere you get podcasts where we will take literally anything you can put into a 64 seed bracket, and we're going to determine whatever the best or worst is. We have already done the best animated Disney movie of all time. We have done the best comic book movie of all time. In October, we're going to determine what the best sports movie of all time is. And then coming in November, we're moving away from movies altogether. I love me some food. We're going to find the best nationwide restaurant chain. You don't want to miss this boozy bracketology anywhere you get podcasts or the pub trivia experience. Everyone, have yourselves a great day.